Wednesday 22nd of August and um, I've been flailing about like a buddhan over the last few days, couldn't settle to anything, repented till I couldn't spell the word, then decided I was probably in hiddenness, at which point the Lord went. So I thought that's okay then, got that one. I'm learning to stop striving. He said to me, stop cramming. Because I'm trying to feed the sheep, I'm cramming to cram in new stuff. And he said to me, there's no point in cramming new stuff. Just keep going over what you've been teaching already. You can, you can learn for yourself to go. You're going on further in your own walk. But trying to cram, because until we've actually walked in what we've got, it's no good getting notebooks full of stuff that's trying to take us further. It's like trying to rush children through school, really, get them in, in the first um, class and within a year want them in the A-levels. It, it, you just can't do it. So that took the pressure off a bit. But, uh, personally, I'm, I'm, I'm learning to go to a deeper place of rest. Um, um, this is what I saw this morning. Just read a little bit of it. It's from uh, Living in Dependency and Wonder, and it's a prophetic word. It's Graham's book. Childlike Learning. To become a fully mature son, you must first learn the ways of a child. Learn to be open, trusting and small. Feel the joy of smallness wrapped up in the immensity of me. Learn to exchange your inadequacy for vulnerability. It is weakness with laughter. Clap your hands and shout at the pleasure of being small. Then lift your arms in confidence and I will bear you up. Let your eyes be bright. Allow my love to overwhelm. Enjoy the feel of fear dying and confidence increasing. Face the day in total rest. Uh, and that was about as far as I got because I was listening last night to uh, Graham's um, CD on um, permission granted and two things jumped out at me from it. One was rest, which I think God is speaking to me about, a deeper place of rest and being overwhelmed so in my own little book I've written about being overwhelmed is to be is if, if you're standing in the sea and a wave knocks you over you're overwhelmed by it, it knocks you flying completely powerless when you're overwhelmed you just can't do anything you're, you're overwhelmed that's all there is to it and he's saying uh, allow my love to, to knock you off your feet <laughs> uh, and sort of tied in with that when I was studying what we're actually hoping to get at is the fruit of love this time this week or these next however long um, and I was going doing a quick skip through a little bit of Song of Songs just for my own benefit to um, enjoy uh, and I just tripped over this beauty is in the eye of the beholder so it doesn't matter how you see yourself it's how he sees you because your beauty is in his eyes when he gazes on you you see where I'm coming from you may look at yourself and not consider yourself beautiful in the slightest he says you are beautiful because that's how I see you and I want you to walk in what, how I see you, not how you see you. That will give you confidence when you walk in the way I see you, instead of how you see you. Um, there's something, one of Graham's words where he says, Gaze, behold me as I gaze upon you. I can't remember whether it's uh, the... Um, permission granted one or something else uh, but what he's saying is it's a bit like a baby you're gazing on it in absolute delight you're besotted with this little thing and it's just looking back I'm the object of your adoration and don't I know it 
everything revolves around me. It's how a baby is, isn't it? So he's saying, behold me as I gaze upon you. Because he sees you today as you will be on that day, as Gary Wines says. He sees you through the finished work of the cross. That's why I think it's time we come back to the cross and realise that it was finished. We walk as though there's still stuff to do. We need to come, as I said in the rejection conference, through that cross and start living in the resurrection life on the other side because we now have a new DNA. The problem is, if we do not understand that we've got a new DNA, we will never choose to live in it. We'll live in the old one. And whatever we choose to live in will grow. It'll just continue to consume. If we are, if we are consumed with ourselves, then that is what will grow. Because that's all we're focusing on. If we're consumed with what happened to us when we were young, that is what will grow. We will never grow into the selflessness that God wants us to come into, which is looking out for that other person, not for ourselves, because we know we're accepted. It's that thing with the um, robe of righteousness. When he sees us, he doesn't see you know, that old uh, tune. He sees not what I used to be, but he sees Jesus. We don't understand what it is to have imputed righteousness. We stand faultless before the throne, clothed in his righteousness alone. That is how we stand. That is our standing before God, the finished work of the cross. He works it in then, as I said before, it pokes it in. And what we're all in the process of now is having it worked in so that the glory of God shines out. But if, we, if the devil can get us focusing on ourselves and our shortcomings, he's got us completely, as the old saying used to be, by the short and curlies. He has got you. Because you're so busy looking at your faults and flaws when God doesn't see them at all. He sees you. There's an awful silence here. He sees you through the finished work of the cross. I tell you, one of the, the enemy used to trip me up through the word of God. And one of the words he used to trip me up was, you're only accepted in the beloved. You're not acceptable otherwise. You know, it's in Colossians, I think, accepted in the beloved. And then one day the penny dropped, you know, that I am accepted because of the work of the cross. I was, And I was accepted before, but I couldn't come into his presence because I was too dirty. He loved me before. The enemy used to get me think, you know, going round this, thinking, well, I don't, I want to be accepted for who I am, not accepted because you know, all that. But really, what that word is saying is, you are accepted for who you are. I loved you before, but you were not acceptable because of your sin. So now I've covered that, and now who you are can come freely into my <coughs> presence because sin is dealt with. If we major on sin, we will major on our own shortcomings and failings. He doesn't want us to major on that. He wants us to major on his ability to work that righteousness into us. And that is the exchange at the cross, if you like. He exchanged everything we, where we were so fallen and lost and walking on broken legs for completely new so, yes, I've got faults and failings, and yes, God is dealing with them, but I'm not focusing on my flaws. I'm not flaw-focused. I'm focused on what he has already done. It's done. It's finished. All I've got to do is to possess that which he has given me so that I can come into fullness. So if I trip up, I do not get dinner downward spiral. But for me, that's still a fight because God goes quiet. I feel like two hypothesis chewed string, trying desperately to get a grip on what's going on. So long as I can understand, I can cooperate with it. But couldn't for days could not get a grip on what was going on. Still couldn't say I've got a grip on it now. Um, except that I suddenly thought, look, Father, I'm accepted in the Beloved. If I've done something wrong, it's an in-house job, so I'm going on my way rejoicing. 
really. But that's just what it made me. I thought, I've got to settle this one way or the other. God is teaching me something here that whether I feel good in terms of everything's going okay and, you know, things are relatively under control, or I don't feel good by faith. I'm going forward, I'm accepted. If there's a problem, he'll tell me. He's not. He will sometimes give you a good length of string. I don't like it when he does that. I don't like it, because I'm thinking when it does come to crunch time, why didn't you tell me before? Why did you let me go on doing that? Why didn't you tell me before? Because sometimes he doesn't actually tell us before because he wants us to have a nice long length of string to teach us the complete lesson because that is, you know, that's the way he does it. So, what I suppose I'm saying is relax in him and be confident. You are totally accepted in the beloved. You come into his presence knowing that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. He doesn't look at you and think, oh, goodness, you're a mess this morning. <laughs> God, dear, oh dear. I have to do something to straighten you out. No, he doesn't. He sees you as you will be on that day. I always say it's like making an apple pie. Got the flour, got the sugar, got the fat, got the whatever else I need. Um, rolling pin, apples. <laughs> I'm going to make a pie. I've got all the ingredients. And in my mind's eye, I see this pie steaming there. Nice, light brown, golden, shiny crust. It's already done. If you like, that is exactly how it is with us. He's got all the raw materials, and he sees it ready done. What we're in is the process from the raw materials to the pie. It's got to be cooked. It's got to be cooked. <laughs> it's got to be rolled out. It's got to be gone like that with got to do rubbing the fat and the flour together there you know getting this nice and light and flaky so it's all there it's all there so it, it's it's this word of being confident lift your arms in confidence and I will bear you up be confident so that thing about beauty Yes. I, when, when people say, oh, you're beautiful, I always took it as meaning the physical sense. Yes. But I'm realising it's actually, as you say, when we have the robe of righteousness over us, that is also it, our beauty. Yes, yes. And I'm only just coming to realise that, that that is our beauty. Yeah, yeah. is that all that God's The imputed for, righteousness. Christ, that's it. Is our beauty. That's it. That's it. It's amazing, isn't it? So relax, Avu. Whatever he's putting his finger on, it's okay. Because he has made provision for wherever you are right now. Because he's given you a new will as well as everything else inside. The trouble is we often operate in the old will and in its I won't rather than I will. That's where the problem comes. It's this pivot of choice. Every situation, choosing to walk in the old or the new. Choosing, choosing, choosing. Can't get away from choices. Okay. Can you turn me off for a tick? Last night I shared it with George and we have prayed about it. It was really quite interesting. I woke up aware that I'd been talking non-stop. But the talking was like Graham Cook. It was just him speaking, but it was me. But it was like his words coming out. So I thought, oh, blow me. I just don't know where I was, just talk, 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 talk. And I've been going at it for some time, so I woke up, went back to sleep. Off I went again, talk, 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 talk. <laughs> uh, oh, for goodness sake. And then at the end of this dream, this just went on and on and on and on. And at the end of the dream, there was pages of closely typed very black print very close like as I can see from here you know um, A4 duh, sheets of it that was over here and this was here so as we do Joyce and I I said to her I've had a dream 
So we prayed about it this morning and uh, we actually both got the same thing really. He said to me, what have you asked for? I said, I've asked to be able to, to speak without notes. Uh, and Joyce, I think, said the same thing when I looked up. She said, what have you asked for? I said, that's it. Uh, and the notes, of course, were there to signify that the time for those is coming to an end because that is a labour. Typing notes and notes and notes. It's, it's because I'm not sure I want to get all the facts in. Uh -huh. But the time for those is coming to an end. Um, and uh, it, there's like an overlap at the moment where I do work from notes, but the, uh, it'll come into the place where... And I said to him, why was I speaking like... Why was it like Graham's words coming out? Little silence for a minute, sort of, why do you think? You know, have you ever had that? The Lord saying, puts the question back to you, very Hebrew that, you know. Yeah. Very Hebrew way of doing things. Mm -hmm. You look in the, in the Gospels when Jesus asks them a question. Well, they ask him a question. And he says, and who do you say? So that he asks it back again, asks another question back to them. It's a very Hebraic way of doing things. Anyway, uh, Jesus being a Jew, he said to me, um, you know, what, what do you think? Well, I, well um, I've lost my thread really. Um, I, I said, I think that time is coming, you know, when I'm just going to be speaking and there's not going to be notes correct. And the time is coming when the CD, you're going to say to people, get the CD. So why was it Graham? It was because it's coming from the same source. That's why it was, it was, it was not that I was just parroting what Graham was saying. I was, it was because it was coming from where, here and speak, you know, coming out. Anyway, so interesting stuff, getting dreams. Um, so the whole issue of making CDs and things is probably going to be higher on the agenda than producing the notes, which is time-consuming and... A very, uh, you know, more more trees, as people said. <laughs> How many trees have you had down this week? Quite a lot. So it's interesting. What was it? You, can you remember what it was you got when we prayed about my dream? Did you get what have you asked for? Was that what it? That's what, right. That's it. You got what? Yes. What exactly. have you asked for? That's it. So it's a bit nice, isn't it? I'll give you another testimony to something I asked for this week as well. Three times my son has tried to arrange for me to go to the zoo. <laughs> oh, joy and delight. Oh, joy and delight. Because he felt I wasn't spending enough time with the granddaughter, had to spend some time during the school holidays with the granddaughter. So he made a date. Next thing he phones up and says, can't do it, Mum, something's cropped up at work. OK, so we made another one. Phone call, can't do it, Mum, something's cropped up at work. Huh? So we had the third one, which came up yesterday, and I'm getting towards it more and more and more I do not want to do this thing I do not want to be tramping around zoos if God wants me to make a relationship with my granddaughter he will organise it he'll do it in his own way in his own time and his word to me is you look after my children I'll look after yours so here am I trying to comply with Stephen's request and I felt the Lord has said you won't be going so I'm saying please don't let anyone get sick including me don't let me break a leg or, or anybody do anything disastrous. And please, could it be him that cancels it? Because if I cancel it, I'll never hear the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> we had that with Disney, yes, went there before. Which he's, he phoned me, where are we now? It's Wednesday, isn't it? He phoned me Monday night at about quarter past eight, twenty past eight, and said, OK for tomorrow, Mum pick you up about half past nine I said oh give us a break <laughs> I said can you make it ten o'clock so alright then we'll make it ten o'clock quarter to ten ten o'clock he said but the weather forecast is torrential rain in the morning I thought good <laughs> so I'm praying Lord please it started to rain Monday night I'm saying no not now Lord please <laughs> save it for the morning please not now not now tomorrow morning's when I need it I want to wake up to rain in the morning woke up yesterday morning not spot I'm thinking that prayer's not getting answered then. <laughs> so 20 past nine, I'm still sat up there. Nine I'll phone you nine o'clock tomorrow morning, he said. Nine o'clock comes, no phone call. I'm thinking they'll turn up in a minute and I'm still in my dressing gown here. But I'm so sure I'm not going that I'm not going to start getting ready. <laughs> so I'm sitting there working up a steam inside here. I mean, it was terrible. I was in such a state of anguish, I can't tell you. It's totally disproportionate. That's why I say God's dealing with my rest issue. 
and um, 20 past 9 the phone went with Stephen it's tipping it down stair rods here so I think we'd better can it I said oh, alright then uh, talk to you later <laughs> plonk Thank you, nothing down here up at Mepham where he is which is higher up as always the rain was breaking over the hill <laughs> I didn't dare I didn't dare phone him later and find out what he did what the day I thought no keep your head down yeah. don't ask <laughs> just oh just so grateful to the Lord but I, I'd worked myself up into such a head of steam that it took me all day to get my peace back it really did. I, the the the, the um, penalty for getting yourself into something that you shouldn't be in, at, it, it, where I am at the moment, is huge. Because I should never have said yes to him. Came down here and he's going, well, you, I know all this is important. This was, I know, but you've got to do, you know, because otherwise she won't have any. And I'm thinking. Oh, well, it sounds reasonable enough. And of course, from a distance, it always sounds reasonable enough to me when I'm not actually pressured to do it. As I said to Joyce yesterday, I, I, there must be something wrong with me. I said because it, it, I just don't, I don't enjoy that. But I've always been a business type, business type woman, you see. So I mean, I loved having Stephen. I loved bringing him up, but I couldn't wait to get back to work either. You know, so. It's all to do with your personality as well, isn't it? And particularly if the Lord said, leave him to me, I'll deal with it all. So there's a little pitfall not to fall into. If any, if God said you don't do that, don't do it. <laughs> Just don't do it, because it's safer. Okay, we'll try and get somewhere here. Don't we? So the, the reason I asked you before we started was what God's speaking to you all about. It, it's going to be different for each one of us is because I know that he's speaking to me about things but if you like it's so deep that I can't really articulate what it is he's talking to me about at the moment um, um, when Sarah says about fullness not measure yes uh, when he says the beauty is in the eye of the beholder yes and there's always deeper to go in your revelation of how he sees you and that is really high on his agenda at the moment because if we're looking at the fruit of the spirit you cannot give away something you haven't got I spoke to a lady on the phone yesterday I've not met her yet all in a dither and a heap um, I doesn't need to go into the details of it but she got tripped up with something um, and it was to do with having a mobile phone. I suggested that she, I don't think I said put it in a bucket, but I thought of that afterwards. I suggest she took, it, took the thing back if it was tripping her up like that. Um, but she was obviously, you know, striving to, to walk a Christian walk. She was really striving. And so missing completely the point that it is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit grows as we make the right choices. Love is a choice. It's not anything, it's nothing other than a simple choice. Um, so we choose either to lose our rag or we choose to allow the fruit of the Spirit to grow. I mean, I was trying to allow the fruit of the Spirit of peace, the, the peace bit to grow yesterday, but it didn't really have a lot of chance. And the principle is that you cannot give away something you don't have. So you can't pretend love. We cannot love God and hate people. So we need our, the love of him to come through to us first before we can walk it out. So we have to open ourselves and allow him to love through us because there's absolutely no way we can agape people in our own strength. We can eros, which is self-referential. We can phileo which is friendship that will last until they do something you don't like you know. but we cannot agape unless first we know that we are accepted in the beloved and that beauty is in the eye of the beholder and that is why I think I had to start with that this morning so that we get ourselves grounded in the fact that when he looks on us he loves what he sees we are a work in progress if you're painting a picture 
you've got in your mind's eye what you want to, do, to paint. This is talking on a human level now. When I went to do that fella up there, the lion, I knew what I wanted him to turn out like. He isn't exactly what I had in my mind's eye, um, but then again I did it as I always do, didn't get the tools properly, rushed off at half cock to do the thing, um, but he'll do. But with God, he knows exactly what he wants to do with us, to, to bring us into that state of perfection that he knows we can be, not seeing this perfection, but maturity. It's all about coming to what Graham started this word off, to become a fully mature son. You must first learn the ways of a child, and to be childlike rather than childish. There's a total difference. Childishness stomps to get its way. It has a paddy. It goes around showing everybody how it feels. It shows off at every... It's self-centred childishness. But childlikeness has got an openness, a spontaneity, thinks the best about things, is open for things, is flexible. I mean, we, as we get older, we get stiffer, we get less flexible. But when God gets inside us, he starts to make us flexible. Because he's moving on the, his, the ministry of the interior. So he's moving on what's going on in here. I've just got um, Romans 12 out in the message here. Which is absolutely brilliant. It's, it's, it's from time to time, the message really encapsulate it the, the line that I've underlined here that I'm looking at right now is love from the centre of who you are, don't fake it uh, but I just wanted to, to start with, is this Romans 12 according to the message, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. You notice that you see, as you fix your eyes on him, you will be changed from the inside out. If you fix your eyes on yourself, you will become a very small parcel. Wrapped up in yourself, you will become minute so it's like rabbit last time wasn't it with his ears all the time he's listening to what he's thinking he's going round and round but if he's got his ears up listening to the Lord and his eyes up and his whole attention up then he's growing on the inside instead fix your attention on God you'll be changed from the inside out readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity God brings the best out of you develops well-formed maturity in you I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you living then as every one of you does in pure grace it's important that you do not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvellously functioning parts in Christ's body, Let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be, without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. And then he goes on to say, Love from the centre of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. I like that. There was a, a book by um, Max Lucado, um, I forget what the title was but the, one of the stories was um, about the voice from the mop bucket that was about the janitor who uh, was cleaning the offices one night and he's putting his mop round like this you know and this, all of a sudden there's a voice comes from his mop bucket 
And he stops what he's doing and looks at his mop bucket and it's glowing. Sound like anything you recognise. <laughs> it was a sort of a parody or whatever you call it on Moses and the burning bush, you know. So Hank was called Voice from the Mop Bucket. And, and another one of the things was on playing second fiddle. And another one of them was about uh, getting into the, this guy wanted to get into the office early so he could get some work done undisturbed. And he went in and set all the alarms off. <laughs> so the whole object was defeated. Trying to get ahead of himself. Oh, so I suppose that's what I've been doing has been trying to get ahead of myself. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert. Servants of the Master. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times, perseverance. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in every everyone. If you've got it in, you get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. Your husband could perhaps do with listening to this. That's not for you. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go and buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. That's brilliantly put, isn't it? And then just 1 Corinthians 13, because that's what we're looking at here. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep scores of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over some day, Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompletes will be cancelled. When I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like any infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright we'll all see it then see it all as clearly as God sees us knowing him directly as he knows us but for right now until that completeness we have three things to do to lead us towards that consummation trust steadily in God hope unswervingly love extravagantly and the best of the three is love new DNA, living in the new. One of the dangers with the current move of the Holy Spirit into the ministry of healing and deliverance and all that is that you can get stuck in your past and that it is always an issue for healing and never an issue of choice. Because when I asked the Lord about, I had a, a conflict is not a bad thing when you're working something out before God, 
it's anguishing because you're trying to make two what appear to be conflicting issues match and the conf conflict I had was that people like Colin Urquhart who preach a faith message will not accept inner healing uh, and that everything that goes with that so I had this this conflict I know that inner healing is right but I can hear what he's saying and that's right as well it's yes and yes the fact is we need to expand our thinking sufficiently to take in the whole counsel rather than just one bit and what the Lord said to me was so that where there has been severe damage people need that healing to be able to walk in faith and, be, and come into the new because if there is not the healing of the old they'll never walk in the new but what tends to happen is that they'll get stuck finding something new all the time because it's actually egocentric. It is, when I was a child, I thought as a child. There is not the desire to come into maturity. So there, there, there is not the desire or the ability to receive by faith what has happened. I mean, I think your daughter is probably an example of that. Mm -hmm. She came and I prayed for her, but she received nothing. Mm because she didn't want to receive it because to have received it would have meant she would have had to have moved from there to there do you remember we said to the blind man will you, do you want, what do you want I want my sight, are you sure because in order to get his sight he had to lose the way that he had got his needs met he had to throw off his beggar's cloak throw away his begging bowl and go and get a job because now he can see so our whatever you like to call it self-preservation mechanisms will keep us in a very narrow sphere because the enemy will say if you come out of there you'll have to stand on your own feet over here because you're healed you're going to have to make some <sighs> stay where you are safer and this is all subliminal it's not it's not something that you can say it's conscious thinking but the job of someone like me is to get you from being thinking as a child to putting away childish things and move over here into adulthood and start to grow and to become the person that God sees not this uh, you remember when I did the rejection conference those of you that were there I'd seen all these desks in rows and alongside every person someone standing at their, at their right hand and that was the person God saw them as. So there is, there is a journey from where we see it, where we are now to where he wants us to come. Sooner or later we've got to start deciding we're going on that journey and putting away childish things putting away the way that we used to always customarily react if we didn't get our own way in the situation if someone blocked our goals sooner or later that is all our part of it is is the choice is is because we have a new will there's two wills at work it says in Philippians God is in you both to will and to do you get to choose which will you're going to line up with and it, while we go round and round looking uh, for things to repair the past with, we're never going to be living the other side of the cross, which is the exchange life. That is freedom, the other side of the cross. Because you're coming through there into resurrection life. And every part of you will show it. Because your body will show it. People will say, I can't believe how old you are because why because you're living in eternal life and manifesting and showing the eternal life flowing through you yes you've got areas that still need dealing with you know we'll be mature until Jesus comes because we're all going to be finding out more about who God is and how he is but while we focus on ourselves as I said very small parcel little tiny parcel all turned in on eros self-love never going to be able to learn agape 
while we're busy gazing at our own navels, you know. So there is a place for everything. In ministry, I find that the people, this is a general rule of thumb, the ones that come to me and say, really, I don't want to waste your time, you know, you've got more important things to do and uh, you haven't got to, they're the ones that have actually got a deep need of healing. And God will come and deal with that for them, like he did with the dear man that I was talking about earlier on. Because they're not actually focused on themselves, their concern is that I don't get burnout. So I can say to them, you're genuine. The ones that are not like that are the ones that are always round your ear, got one thing after the other. God will have you be patient with that. But you've got to try to lay out for them that it was a different way of walking than looking at your past. Because it becomes your future. It's not only your present, it's then your future. So you're constantly looking for healing. You're constantly going somewhere to get that bit of you healed. And you're not walking after the spirit, you're walking after your childish things that you perceive actually you want dealing with. Whereas if you would lay the whole lot down, as he says in Romans 12 here, uh, and allow the Holy Spirit to show you what needs dealing with, he will bring it to the surface and you'll be surprised about how little actually needs doing. Because all of us have been damaged to a greater or lesser extent. Every one of us. I might as well say, well, I was brought up in the war, I never had a teddy bear, and only ever had a dolly with an hand or an eye or an arm missing, so I've really been deprived. Spent half my time down air raid shelters, the other half being bombed out and being evacuated, so, oh, you know, this was terrible. But my main area of rejection was, with, was my mum. Because she wouldn't, whenever um, I did anything she didn't like, she wouldn't speak to me for two or three days. So I became an earner. I'm constantly watching to see if I've got her approval. So when I came into Christianity, that did not drop away right away. People pleasing did. To a large extent it went. But still this anxiety watching to see if I was going to get approval was there and God has consistently dealt with that because I wasn't even aware it was there my friend in the corner there pointed it out one day as I've said before but he's consistently dealt with it and now with, with the best will in the world I can say to you guys I love you and if you don't like me that's fine because I'm not actually having to work to get your approval or to be liked by <coughs> you and that is a real freedom because that's where I came from was having to get approval so I still have to guard in my walk with God that I'm not s trying to get his approval it's ever so subtle so when I get into a situation like I've been in the last few days sort of zonksville just not knowing what's going on, I first of all look to see if I, is there something unrepented here, Lord? So I repent till I can't spell it. Holy Spirit, will you show me silence? And so I go through all these things until finally I think, okay then, it must be all alright. I'll go on my way rejoicing. And when you're ready, you'll turn the tap on again. That's a big lesson that he's taught me over the last couple of days. I, Joyce will tell you, I could not focus on anything. I just could not. I just couldn't get my mind to settle on anything. And I'm not like that. I can be reading a book or doing something, but I wasn't able to do anything. So I came to the conclusion at the end of the day, God is doing something. I don't understand what it is, but I'm just going to sit still under it till, till it's... Mm -mm. So then I have my dream last night, which of course is being fulfilled this morning because I haven't sort of hardly looked at what I prepared yesterday. Um, so wherever he's got you, go with what he's doing, not with what you want. Because he's the one that's got the agenda for your life. And it's like we can go off on these loops 
you know, I just need to, Lord, let me first, you know, bury my father. You remember the guy that said, Lord, let me first bury my father? What he was saying was, I've just got to wait till my dad dies and I've come into my inheritance and then I'll follow you. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. So if you're going to follow me, you do it now. You know, some of the sayings of Jesus were quite hard or they appear to be hard on the surface because they actually put a stop to what we want to be doing. Don't get off of where you're going. So 1 John 4.19, I think if I'm right, says we love because he first loved us. And right now, that is the message for the church. Knowing, knowing that he loves us. And everything else, once you know that, is going to flow out of that. I was listening to Ruth Pazell last night and she was singing one, I'm not sure which CD it's on. Uh, it's, it's about healing. Will you let me heal your heart? And how um, the pain of allowing yourself to be healed. Because being healed is painful. Because you've actually got to face things in your life that you don't it's, I always say it's like a tree a little sapling you put a, a tree in and you put a stake alongside it and you tie it so as it holds up in the winds and then this tree grows and sooner or later if you don't take the, the uh, binding away the tree will grow around that binding and it gets like a waistline and that which was meant there to support it becomes a bondage to the tree because it's never actually grown in that area. It's got bound. And it'll never grow out then because it's been stuck like that. And childhood patterns that we have used and comforted ourselves with uh, will become a bondage. And, it, and we part with them with a lot of kicking and screaming, I may say. But once we're part, parting with them, we can start to come into the exchange life. And the first thing is to see yourself as he sees you. And that is a choice. Okay, if you think I'm the best thing since sliced bread, I'm loving it. Hmm? If you say I'm lovely, I'm lovely. I'm John 4.19. He chose to set his love on us. He didn't choose to set his love on us because he saw we were all perfect and so they'll do nicely. He looked at us in all our mess and muck and said, they'll do, I can make something of that one John four nineteen we love him because he first loved us. If anyone says I love God and hates, detests, abominates his brother in Christ is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he cannot he has seen cannot love God who he hasn't seen. And this command, charge or injunction injunction we have from him that he who loves God shall love his brother brother believer also as we go on in the Christian world God will give us love for the unlovely um, he just does it because he loves everybody he doesn't just suddenly love us when we believe on Jesus he would that all men be saved So first you must know his love for you and know the exchange at the cross that it's been done. That is not burying pain and things that need healing. It's facing it, getting healed with it and then going into what he's got for you. Because you can't give away something you don't have. And you can't pretend love. We cannot love God and hate people. And we need to love in our attitudes and thoughts as well as in our deeds of kindness. What God has actually been speaking to me about um, over the last couple of weeks is my thought life. How, when someone does something I don't like, where do my thoughts go? Do I start remembering everything they've done that I don't like? And stewing on that. Or do I choose to think something good about the person who's just hurt me? We're coming to the place where as he, as he 
deals with us and when we talk about a more excellent way which it says in uh, in 1 Corinthians 12 I think the end of 1 Corinthians 12 I will show you a more excellent way the excellent way is the way of love to abound in love and therefore this has got to be dealt with because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so whatever's in your heart will come out of your mouth at any given moment when someone treads on your toe that is, that is how you know where you are what comes into your mind I remember early on it just comes to me now really early on when I was still living up at New Ash Green I had a little pussycat uh, and he was only tiny it was a, he was a kitten and um, of course as kittens do all however many there are 20 is it <laughs> and oh I wanted to smack him because he'd hurt me I was like oh lord I said you've got to deal with that I wanted to smack this little tiny piece of fluff because he'd just hurt me and I, I knew there there was retaliation in my heart so I had to ask him I keep asking him to deal with wanting to retaliate that's your fallen nature coming right out wants to punch when you've been hurt so he will deal with these things and we have to allow him to do that because that's not the fruit of love if you want to slush someone around the ear hole you know when you know the fruit of love is operating is when you can step back count to five and allow the Holy Spirit to take over like the man with the telephone and the car and that and I have to say I have not cracked it I am still learning and you will find these things will work out in the home where you're real that is where you will find the fruit of the spirit working out most we could all hold on to it on the Sunday morning when we're at church avoid the people we can't stand uh, cross the road when we see oh crumbs here they come cross the road you know ever done that <laughs> Oh, I can't be doing with that now. I really can't be doing with that now, you know. So it's at home in the real nitty gritty when the front door's shut and there's no front room face. So ask someone you live with to tell you what you like. An honest assessment of your love walk. I won't like it. I haven't got the courage up yet to ask Joyce. Suppose so down in here. <laughs> so slash down the gym. That's it. So ask them, you know, okay, what's my love walk like? Really? <laughs> okay, thank you, Lord. Just a few areas to work on. As I say, it's working on me in the mind here now. Um, making choices about when a, when a, an irritated thought might come in to choose not to think that thought, but to choose to think something else. It's just the discipline, same as everything else. But it raises the peace level. And I suddenly realised that I have been negative about my daughter-in-law. Because I don't actually like her very much, bless her heart. But I see that her problem is acute rejection for whatever reason. And I suddenly thought, Father, supposing I start thinking nicer thoughts about her than I think at the moment, it might well change how she is because that is what happens you start thinking good thoughts kind thoughts loving thoughts about the person and things change because you change for sure because it says doesn't it pray for those who despitefully use you and that doesn't mean Lord wipe them off the face of the earth garrot them kill them as Graham used to do with his grace grows So again, like everything else, we need to commit to learn to walk in love. And it will cause a huge shift in our thinking and our lifestyle. Because to love is to obey what Jesus has said. He says, if you love me, you will obey me. But first you need to know his love for you. You can obey like the older brother did. Did everything the father said but he was religious, he was constrained, he was mean. You know. But he had everything. 
but he was mean. Son, father said, everything I have is yours. You're here in the house, it's all yours. You can kill a fatted calf any time you like. But the elder brother was jealous of the younger one who'd gone off, spent half his inheritance, all of it, come back again, uh, and asked the father to take him back. You know, we, we either fall into one category or the other. We're either the one that's gone off and spent all the stuff, and then we're sure as heck be, bump up against a, an older brother who doesn't reckon you ought to have it. You know what I mean? So though we are conditioned by our upbringing, things that have happened to us, God knows all that, and an exchange has taken place. You can live in that crud, if you like, but me, I'd rather live on the side of glory. So every time I can, I'm going to choose to live on the glory side. Because it's daft living in the crud. Silly living there. As I say, there's like a culture has grown up over the healing ministry. And I, t I talk to the Lord a lot. I don't understand it. But because we are such creatures of habit or whatever, we set things in concrete, we've got the healing ministry stuff coming and suddenly everything is a healing issue. There's no discipling. There's no growth. It's all me, 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 me. It's all inward looking. Meanwhile, as that says, the world goes to hell. God will sh save every person that needs saving. But we, as a, as a church, as a body of people, we're not performing what we should be performing. Mm -hmm. So we need to actually get before him and say, okay, Father, where do you need to make mid-course corrections? What do you want to work on now? Because I'm up for it. I want the exchange life. It spoke to me this morning about provision and it was like it was saying the provision is there, I want you to walk in the fact that provision is there so I don't want to hear any more bleats about provision. I wrote it down on a bit of toilet paper, I haven't got it with me. You know how I do, you delete that from the tape. <laughs> vision and provision. Vision and provision. Well, we're walking... It's, we don't even have to think about it because that's not what we should be focused on we should be focused on seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added to us it's all about focus so if we're focusing on ourselves or on provision or on our worry or, and the enemy of our souls will try to get us focused on, on our problems and difficulties I'm not saying life is without difficulty it isn't but these bumps are what we're supposed to grow on, not go under. We're supposed to use them as something we can put our foot on and go to the next level. And I realised this morning, I believe, I think, that when you go up a level, you not only meet a bigger devil, but you also come to a deeper level of rest. So therefore, you are going to have more things that are going to cause you dispeace than peace. Because in order to get a deeper level of rest, the ante has got to be upped to get you to a deeper level. That's the way it works. Fruit of the Spirit don't grow in good soil, it grows in bad soil. Someone's unkind to you, you choose to be kind to them. That's the way the fruit grows. It grows in the opposite soil. Otherwise you're just feeding the old bad roots and the tree will flourish. Bare fruit. All out there and it stinks. Got to pick it. Ooh. Nobody wants to come and shelter under that tree because the fruit stinks. It's the fruit of the Spirit where there is a fragrant fruit that you pick. So, and other people get to pick your fruit. You don't get to pick your own. They do. They come and pick your fruit. But it always grows in the opposite soil. And in Luke 14, I think it's 25 to 33, you see him counting the cost of building and this is going to cost you it will cost you time money and effort so if we're accustomed to spending anything uh, money or anything on ourselves walking in love will require that we spend it on others if we are accustomed to indulging ourselves 
you will find God will say, I'd actually like you to give that to somebody else. Don't give the broken one, give them your best one. So you'll be a Joyce Mayer on this one. <laughs> Luke 14. So be aware before you sign the little dotted line. 25 to 30. The way I look at it is what else is life about if we're not going to actually strive to be excellent? Luke 14. 25 to 43. great multitudes went with him and he turned to them and said if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father mother wife children brothers sisters yes his own life also he cannot be my disciple in that context it doesn't mean you hate your father mother brother wife and children it means that if you have to choose it is as much as a choice to hate them because it will cause you to choose for Jesus and that may seem to them like it seems to my son right now uh, that you you are hating them that it's the difference between choosing for him or for them so you get to choose because discipleship will involve that choice time and time and time again and whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. A cross is for dying, no, I'm not for hanging round your neck. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, <clears throat> This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavour, how shall it be seasoned? It's neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Same things he says in Revelation, isn't it? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We get one shot at this, and we get to choose how deeply we go with him. He said, you know, you can have as much of me as you want. You get to choose. So if you become, like it said in the message, captive to your culture... Um, you're living in this world's goods and in this world's desires and we ha are meant to be actually otherworldly so we put our feet in two places at once we put it in, on the earth and in the, in the heavenlies at the same time we're making two footprints if you like and I think because largely the church has lost the emphasis on the cross it's something that's up the front there and it's not talked about very much um, emphasis on forgiveness but no emphasis on anything more yes we're forgiven but that's just the start there's a journey of a lifetime in front of us and the enemy of our souls will want to keep a curtain over that so that we don't actually see the glory that we could be walking in but we get to choose we get to choose where we're going to live whether we're going to go for measure as you started saying or fullness so Philippians 1 9-10 says seek what is excellent abound in love Daniel was an excellent man of God he did everything to a high standard we can't be sloppy if we're going to be Christian oh dear oh dear Joyce Mayer, here she is, going along the landing of a hotel with a tray with uh, ice cubes and whatever else on it. And all of a sudden, these ice cubes just jump their way out of the thing and to the carpet. So she carried on walking. And the Holy Spirit said, where are you going? She said, I'm going to my room. 
What about those ice cubes on the floor? Well, nobody's seen them. I've seen them. Go and pick them up. Go and pick them up. <laughs> Do it as if there was someone watching. <laughs> so she'd go back, pick up these ice cubes, grumbling and growling. <laughs> It's what you do when nobody's looking. <laughs> God sees. He sees. When nobody's looking, he sees. So he sees what's going He's not condemning you. He's saying, you know, I'm trying to form Christ in you. <laughs> Can I have a bit of cooperation, please? <laughs> so seeking excellence is about personal behaviour. And we can't walk in love and be mediocre. And we can't love things and use people because we have to love people and use things. So basically it's our, it's our personality where we have to look. And just one last thought. God gave me a picture that thoughts are like weeds and they choke the good seed and they spring up unbidden. I suddenly saw this. He was the soil like that. And all of a sudden there were all these weeds. Ah, like that. And said, that's what your thoughts are like. They spring up unbidden. And I'm, I'm sure that you've experienced it, I certainly have, that we can feel the thoughts of others. You can feel other people's thoughts. You can walk into a room and sometimes you can pick up on the fact that they really don't like you very much. You can pick it up. So if we're thinking unkind thoughts, we will become unkind like that, and other people will pick up our thoughts, what we're thinking. It's like somebody once said, didn't they, you know, um, if, if, if what you were thinking was going in a ticker tape across your forehead, you'd stop <laughs> thinking the way you're thinking. But it is, because God's saying it. So everything that's going through your mind, like an empty thought passing through an empty head, he's seeing it. Makes you think about it, doesn't it? It was one of the things that delighted me, actually, when I first became a Christian, was to realise that there was someone that knew all my nasty bits and loved me just the same. Mm -hmm. Psalm 139. Anyway, there we are. So love is, is basically how we treat people. And if we're mediocre, we will treat them with a lack of respect. If we're excellent, we will treat people excellently. Whether they uh, see what we're doing or whether they don't. Amen.